Hello, and welcome to another episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. Today, well, not just today, but for some time, I've been a little perplexed. For a while now, I have been wondering if I was being fair and just in the course that I've chosen concerning the church and Christians. Was I and am I being fair as to the thoughts and feelings I've developed over the past two years concerning mixed race churches, white pastors, and their leadership? As a spirit-filled Christian, what I do and who I am, as opposed to what I say and who people think I am, is very important to me. That's part of being a woman of integrity and honor. I never want to be in the position of saying one thing and actually doing or living something else. I never want to be one who says and does things with hidden agendas and ulterior motives. And believe it or not, that's a lot easier said than done. It's not always easy for an individual to examine themselves or their works although we're given the command to do exactly that. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5 in the Amplified Classic Edition reads, examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. Test and prove yourselves, not Christ. Do you not yourselves realize and know Thoroughly by an ever-increasing experience that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you are a counterfeit, disapproved on trial, and rejected. God tells us in his word to search and inspect ourselves, to see whether we're holding to our faith and showing the proper fruits of it. What are our fruits like when we're dealing with racism? I know what flesh wants to say or do. I'm fully aware of the reactions that I would like to release. But I'm a spirit man that occupies a flesh body, so I can't do or allow what flesh wants. There are times that this knowledge causes the process to be as easy as it should be. Yet, there are times, thank God not many, but there are other times that I must remind myself of that fact that I am a spirit man that occupies a flesh body. This flesh is here only for the convenience of my spirit. It's my spirit that rules and has authority, not my flesh. It's like when I listen to the podcast over and over, changing the words, tones, and even the meanings of what I tried to convey. It could be a much easier matter if I had an editor or a proofreader to weigh the words and value of what's being spoken. It would be even easier during the times that I'm writing if the Holy Ghost would literally just take over the keyboard and type what he wants me to say. Then all I would need to do is read what he personally has written. However, this is a faith walk, one that's filled with prayer, devotion, and submission to God. And I must trust that what's coming forth from me is of the Holy Ghost and given to me by the Father. 
This is why I must depend on what I believe the Father speaks to my spirit. I must be sure for each of us who have chosen or believe that we have been called to take a stand during this spiritual crisis, we must be sure that what we do, say, and believe is according to the word and will of God. We must hold to the faith and show the proper fruits of that faith. Many years ago, as a young woman in ministry, it amazed me to see and hear men and women trying to show the strength and power that they professed God had given them. One platform that many enjoyed being on was casting out demons. The manifestations produced at these particular church events was a very popular matter for a time, although no such gift is mentioned in the Bible. I'm sure many of you remember the spectacles that some Christians made of themselves wrestling on the floors, demanding demons to name themselves, and a bunch of other foolishness that never glorified the Father all through this so-called ministry. Please don't misunderstand me. I know the authority that I and others have been given and have used it accordingly, but I also know that was not my ministry. Many years ago, I was a guest speaker at a church in another country when the pastors challenged me concerning this matter. They wanted to know why I wasn't casting or calling out demons since I was the prophet. First of all, I would only deal with demons directly in public when I had to or when I knew without a doubt that God was directing me to do so. I still adhere to that practice until today. I explained to the two pastors that I handled demons much like a dirty diaper. Even when the baby is your own, as much as you may love it, yet when changing that diaper full of number two, you're aware of the filth as well as the offensive smell that comes from it. That's exactly the way I view demons, as stinking, offensive, filthy objects, something that I don't want to touch or handle unless I absolutely have to and that I know that I'm being directed by God to do so. When changing a diaper, you handle it very carefully so that you don't soil your hands or transfer any of the filth within it to yourself. So what do I mean by that? In other words, when dealing with demons, they must be handled in ways that will not soil our spirit or be given the opportunity to manipulate those who have been given authority over them. Racism, hatred, bigotry, and all the things that goes along with the, issues, with the issues that are talked about in this podcast are all actual demons themselves. When dealing with those unclean spirits, if we're not careful, they will definitely soil, spoil, and affect our spirits so much so that again, if we're not careful, they will use us in the same way they use others. In other words, the spirits that come against us 
if not dealt with in the right way, will then begin to use us as races against others as they have used races against us. Yes, spirits of racism can cause those who have been unjustly abused to then become racist, prejudiced, bigoted, and hateful against other races. When I read the articles in the news media, hear things on the evening news, or even experience these things firsthand, I must know without a doubt, as we like to say, that I am prayed up. I need to know that I am walking according to the perfect will of our Father. We must be sure that our hurts don't become our hates. As we listen to the wrongs that are continually coming up against black, brown, and non-white people, we must be sure that we don't allow them to cause us to become the very thing that we've been fighting so hard against. When hearing of the murders of those 10 people in Buffalo, as much as it hurts, we can't allow it to cause us to want to hurt someone else. This type of pain is beyond words. One of the things that I've shared in the past is the abuse I suffered at the hands of the first man I was married to. The really sad thing about this marriage is that this man was my first love. For me, it was a love of innocence, which allowed me to trust him implicitly. I am sure that this is how so many people fall in love with their churches and the ministries that lead them. In our innocence, we trust the pastors and leaders only to be betrayed and abused by them. Many times after being struck, cursed, as well as being mentally and verbally abused, my children's father would tell me to shut up because he didn't want to hear anything else about it. On one occasion, I remember telling my father, my biological earthly father, that my husband was hitting me. He simply said to me, it's your bed and you have to lie in it. I never said another word to him or anyone else about the abuse I was suffering from that time on. But because I didn't talk about it, didn't mean that the hurts ended or that they weren't there and that they didn't continue and even grow worse. The injuries and silent suffering that welled up within me could only be understood by others who were suffering the same type of abuse. Unfortunately, they weren't allowed to talk about their abuses either. We as a people hurt. And when other races refuse to talk about those, those hurts, when the people who have actually dealt those hurts refuse to allow it to be talked about, even to the extent of wanting to make it a law not to teach CRT, critical race theory, and literally change the history books that are teaching our children in schools when they don't want the truth of our hurts and horrors to be known by future generations, it only adds to the pain. And much like my first marriage, the pain continues and it grows. Some might suggest that it's not that way for everyone, but if my child hurt, then I hurt. When I saw the man weeping over his mother's murder in Buffalo, New York, 
I cried too. If I'm aware of the facts that my sons, grandsons, nephews, and even strangers' lives were endangered just because they're dark-skinned Black men, it hurts and it's frightening. In spite of the fact that my white church members, white co-workers, neighbors, and whoever else don't want to talk about the pain that Black people carry every day, we walk with that knowledge, and it's a heavy weight to bear. There's the realization that at any moment, not because they're robbing a bank or raping a woman or in a drug deal or shooting up a grocery store, but just for the fact that they're black, my sons and grandsons, the black men who have been given to me as spiritual sons, your sons or grandsons could be killed, murdered, or even lynched by some racist individual or individuals and that's something that every black man, woman, boy, and girl has to live with on a daily basis. And yet, we're expected to function, laugh, be happy, and ignore the realities that are facing us every day. There's no way that this can be done without a strong, powerful prayer life. There's no way that a normal life can be lived on this earth with a good mental and emotional stability in this nation without having a consistent, vigorous, intimate relationship with God. We must continually seek his face, not just for the matter of him keeping us, not just so that we don't become so full of hatred against those who bring these injustices against us, but also so that we will know what we're supposed to do with what is being given to us. What does God want us to do with what we live with on a daily basis through these experiences? When David tended the sheep in the wilderness, protecting them from the lions and bears, he was learning a couple of things. He was being prepared and equipped for a future event. One of the things he learned was the fact that God was preparing him for Goliath. Before he could kill the giant, he had practiced with a lion and a bear. The lion was fast and swift. The bear was big and tall. In killing those two animals, he had been prepared for the speed, swiftness, size, and height of Goliath. The second thing he learned was how to lead people as a shepherd leads his sheep. That was with protection, love, and care, willing to lead the 99 to go after the one lost, to go after the one that was hurting or wounded. He would be willing to lead whatever and whoever was necessary in order to protect those who were under attack. And so it should be with pastors. They should be willing to leave whatever and whoever is necessary in order to protect those who are under attack from racism. They should be willing to leave the many in order to protect those who are fewer, weaker, and that need their protection. In Romans 8.28, it reads, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. 
with the experiences that I've had with racism, some directly against me and some I've merely discerned, read, or seen with my own eyes, I must realize that in some way, in some form, at some time, these things will work for my good. The question must be asked, what is God preparing me for? As God prepared David in the wilderness for Goliath and to be a king, I must ask, what am I as a black woman? What are you as a black man or woman being prepared for? Remember, the word says, in all things, God is working it for our good. One of my favorite scriptures that I quote constantly is from Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, which says, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heaven. We have that understanding that to everything under the heaven, there is a time and a purpose. That means here on earth. That includes this season of racism and hatred against black and non-white people. But again, we must ask our father, what is his purpose in this season for each of us individually? For me personally, I believe it's this podcast with even more to come. But what about you? What is the purpose and plan that God has for you as you navigate through the season and environment of racism? It's certainly not just to sit and complain about what's occurring on this earth. It's certainly not to allow the very spirits that are using others against you, against us, to begin to use you back against them. Some of us must sit before the Father and ask, God, what is it that you want me to do? What do you want to accomplish through me? What is my purpose under the heaven on this earth with all that's occurring right now? I'm sure that we've all heard the phrase, your misery is your ministry. Let me say here and now that not every ministry is in the pulpit, but nonetheless, it's a ministry if it's something that God is using you to accomplish. It's a ministry if it's something that God wants to bring forth through you to help someone else. One of the things that you'll hear me share next week is how every church has these ministries for people who are dealing with various life issues. These churches are providing for the certainties that many will have to deal with. Churches have singles ministries, couples ministries, ministries for the addicted, teens and children's ministries. I've even heard of churches with grief ministries for widows and widowers or those who have lost loved ones. All of these are here to help people, young and old, to navigate whatever issues may be present in their lives. They're there to help with the hurts and pains of being a teen, a drug addict, of losing a mate, or whatever. But there is not one church, white or black, with a ministry to deal with the pains and hurts of racism. Some of the white churches might say something from the pulpit on any given Sunday, expressing a concern once in a while. Some might have had a conference with a mixed panel to speak when George Floyd was murdered. 
But this type of ministry, one that deals with racism, hatred, and white supremacy in the body of Christ needs to be ongoing. And when it's not, it's like that abusive husband who says to shut up and the non-caring father who's blind to the abuses being suffered by his child. The church just doesn't want to hear about it. They don't care. And even worse, they don't even want us to talk about it. And what makes it more painful is that it's the church that has brought about these atrocities. The church is ignoring its black members in spite of the fact that these members are saying that they're hurting in spite of the fact that these members' very lives are in danger on a daily basis simply because they're Black. These are the churches, pastors, and ministries that brought us to Christ, our first love. These are the pastors and leaders that we loved, trusted, and believed in, but they betrayed us. Our cries have become silent to their ears, hearts, and spirits. Most white members and their pastors have taken the attitudes that it's our beds and we just have to lay in it. To this I say, not just no, but hell no. Our God is not finished yet. Our God, the God we serve, has a purpose that he's using us to fulfill. We must understand his purpose and the part we are being used in to bring it to completion. If you haven't already asked, you must ask our Father now to give you your vision. The blind man in John 9 was born blind without vision. Although Jewish, a member of the temple, and known by so many as the blind man, he did not understand or know his purpose in life. He did not understand that his purpose from the beginning in being born blind was to glorify the Father. It was so that God's glory would be revealed. He suffered and begged all his life until his purpose was fulfilled when Jesus gave him his sight, his vision. We must ask God for the vision for our lives that will glorify him. We must ask for the purpose of this time so that we will accomplish all that our father has ordained for us. It wasn't the man's sin nor his parents, but for the glory of God to be revealed. In 1 Samuel 11 and 2, it reads, And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, on this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon Israel. Once again, one of the tribes was under attack. During those times, it was custom and part of the training for the Israelite troops to go into battles with their shields covering the left side of their faces. Of course, that meant that only the right eye was available to fight the enemy. 
the covenant Nahash proposed with them would have taken that right eye, leaving them going into battle literally totally blind, without any vision whatsoever to fight and defend themselves. They would have perished. Without a vision, the people perish. We must ask our Father for our vision or we too shall all perish. We cannot fight the enemy without sight, not for only what we're fighting for, but we must also ask our Father as to how we must fight. What is your vision? What is your ministry? What is it that you're going to do or that you're to do with what God has given you in this time of preparation? How are you supposed to fight? Remember, our purpose is to glorify the Father through this painful time. Therefore, each of us must ask God how he wants to use us individually to reveal his glory. We are a people of vision and we shall not perish because we will be sure to know our vision. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. I ask that each of you would share this podcast with others and always remember that it's available for listening on every podcast server and app. I continue to ask you for your support through your prayers. You can contact me through my email at amyeagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I- T-E-E-A-G-L-E at charter.net and through the Facebook post or Facebook messenger. Thank you again for your prayers and support and may God bless each and every one of you.